we're in a series of messages called uh, Caution. And I try to think of a good illustration that would, I could start with today. I'm teaching preaching class uh, down at the district office on Monday nights. And we try to tell them that it's good to start with a good story that grabs people's attention. And so the one I have, I don't know if it's going to grab your attention for some of you because it may be generational. At least it's for my generation, but at least a 30-year-old in the first service knew exactly who I was talking about. Do you all know this guy right here? <laughs> Do you all know him? Gilgamesh Island. We know him by the professor. That was his only name uh, that he ever used on the show. But his actual—I didn't know this till I read the story this week. His actual name on the show that they, I don't think they ever used was Roy Hinckley, and he was uh, a school teacher on the show, but got uh, the name professor because I guess he was a school teacher. And if you remember anything about Gilligan's Island. And uh, for those of you that have no clue what I'm talking about whatsoever, um, they ended up getting a hole in their boat on a three-hour cruise and got stuck on an island for about seven seasons, I guess. And, <laughs> and the professor was the brains of the whole unit. And he was always amazing me, I don't know, because uh, he could just make anything out of stuff on the island. I mean... He made a telegraph out of stuff that you find on a deserted island somewhere. He made a hot air balloon out of stuff that you find on the island. He made a washing machine out of stuff that you find on the island. One day, on one episode, he took a coconut shell, he took salt water, he took pennies, and he took a hairpin, and he fixed the boat's radio on, on all of that. And I always wondered, if he can do all that, why couldn't he fix the hole in the boat? I just... I couldn't figure it out. I mean, the, one episode he took algae and he made fudge out of the algae. But he never could fix the hole. In the, the, the show could have been over in two or three episodes, man. He just fixed the hole in the boat. It was only a three-hour cruise. They weren't that far. but It seemed like to me that this brilliantly uh, intelligent guy exceedingly intelligent, was focused on the wrong things. <laughs> Fix the boat, man. <laughs> and the Bible talks to us about being focused on the right things as well and gives us something of a caution, uh, gives us something of a be careful verse uh, that you all know well and good. It's this verse, for any of you that have been in church in any time, will not be a new verse. Many of you memorized this verse when you were kids. And uh, it's a be careful, caution type of verse. Before I show you what that is, we've anchored the whole series in Ephesians 5.15. And where Paul writes to the church that met at Ephesus, he said, Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And I've taken that verse, and Nate did his graphic stuff for me, and so we have a big caution sign, and that is the name of the series. And we've been talking about things that the Bible tells us to be cautious about. The first week we talked about bitterness, and we said be cautious about bitterness. And we said caution signs in, in a spiritual realm are the same as caution signs that we see on the road. 
you may ride home today and you may see a caution sign, road work ahead. Now that caution sign is not where the road work is going on. It's back from the road work, a quarter of a mile, a half a mile back. So you have time to take your foot off the brake. So you have time to make adjustments. That's what the caution sign is for. If you don't get the caution sign right till where the area that you have to be cautious in, we got trouble because you're going to hit that area at 60 miles an hour. But caution signs in a physical way are back so you can make adjustments. Caution signs in a spiritual way that we see with our spiritual eyes are the same thing. So if, if in the area of bitterness, if we feel tinge of bitterness coming up in our spirit, uh, that's, that's a caution sign that the loving Father is giving us and said, uh, Mark, um, if you continue on this way and don't make any adjustments, you're going to be in the wrong place. So that's a, I mean, that's, that's the premise behind the whole sermon series. And, and so last week we spoke on be, be careful. In fact, I th- the verse was, and I can't remember, it's Matthew something, but it says be careful about the yeast of the Pharisees and, and Sadducees. And it just simply meant be careful that your righteousness is not like the righteousness of the uh, scribes, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And sa- in fact, Jesus said a verse that I always thought was kind of a be careful verse, even though it doesn't say be careful. Uh, he says, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes or the Pharisees, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a whole big caution to me. And we talked about what kind of external righteousness that the Pharisees had and what was lacking in, the, in their righteousness. They were the most righteous people of that day, but Jesus came for a much deeper type. Be careful don't, you don't settle for false piety, for false righteousness. And we talked through that this week, last week. Today we come to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus's, Jesus's words, okay? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, So don't worry. What shall we eat and what shall we drink? See, he's talking about, he's talking about your focus. He's talking about your priorities in your life. He says, don't worry about those things. Now, there are necessities of life. Oh, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not so spiritual persons that we don't need necessities of life, but don't focus on those things. It's a matter of priorities. It's not a matter of these things are bad. There's nothing wrong with what you've got to wear and what, you, what you're going to eat and so forth and so on, and there's a whole lot more that comes with that. But just don't focus on them. You've got to have money. Don't focus on it. You've got to have a place to live, but don't focus on it. You gotta have a job, but don't focus on it. Because Jesus says in verse 32, he says, the pagans, and what do he mean by pagans? He just meant the people that worship false gods. That's all he meant. He says, they run after these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. And so then he comes in verse 33, a verse that everybody knows. If you've been around church any amount of time, you this is probably the 30th sermon you've heard on this verse. Nothing new. But I wonder if some of us need to remind today to keep focus, to keep our priorities in line, to fix the hole in the boat. But seek first, Jesus says. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And I've just reworded that and put it in a kind of almost a secular way and just said, be careful to keep the main thing, the main thing. A lot of good things. Nobody's putting down the good things. Nobody's putting down the good things. This is not the main thing. And, and we're flooded with good things in life. And we can drown in good things and miss the best things. We can drown in good things. Nobody's putting them down. Nobody will throw you in jail for seeking those things. And the, in fact, the world will probably pat you on the back for seeking those things. But Jesus comes along and says, keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep your focus where it needs to be. Seek for, be careful. Be careful is not written there. I know it's not written there, but I see it between the lines. Everywhere. Be careful. Be sure you're seeking what you should be seeking. We come out of the womb as seekers. A little 18-month-old baby after the first service was just on the tippy-toes Trying to get one of those donut holes up there. We come out of the womb seeking things. The only way that we know to express it as an early age is to cry. We need something to eat. But we, we seek all kinds of things in life. None of them are wrong. We seek comfort. We seek warmth. We seek pleasure. We seek jobs. We, we seek a husband. We seek a wife. We seek friends. None of those things are wrong. But none of those things, according to Jesus, is where our focus should be. <laughs> I just come to remind you something today to be careful about. And in your spiritual eyes, do you see the caution sign when you get focused on other things, not bad things, nothing wrong with bad, those things, but you're not focused on the main thing? My dad, my, I can remember my dad telling me at a young age, and, and I didn't grasp it then, I understand it now, and was probably just like my boys when I try to tell them something. They, they tolerate me, and sometimes they don't really internalize it because, you know, I'm 63 years old, what do I know, you know? So, but dad used to tell me, he said, you know, Mark, we human beings, we have, we have the ability because of, of the gift of this human body and the gift of this brain, we have the ability to get a lot of things we want in life. So he used to tell me, Mark, he said, be careful what you want because you just might get it. Somebody in the first serve reminded me of the way that their parents said it. Be, be careful what gets your attention because what gets your attention gets you. Be careful what gets your attention because what gets your attention gets you. So I've just come along and, and substituted what my dad says, substituted the word seek for the word want. I don't do anything to harm what dad's intention were or what scripture's intention is and just said be careful what you seek because you just might get it. Be careful what you want 
Be careful what you go after. Be careful what you put your time and energies to in this life because you just might get it. And the unsaid thing there is you just might get it and find out it doesn't give you what you wanted. It doesn't bring the pleasure. It doesn't bring the excitement that you thought it was going to bring. <laughs> Let's return back to Matthew 6 again, the verse that we started at. And there's, something, there's a little phrase in here that's fascinating to me. And, and I'd like for you to remember this little this little phrase. I was, I was scrolling um, either the TV or, or YouTube or something. I don't remember what it was this week. And uh, The Rock was on there, Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if you know who he is, and, and I just know he was a big-time wrestler, and he's an actor, da 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 And it, he was basically being interviewed by somebody. He was kind of basically telling a little bit of his uh, life story. And he told a, a story of a day that changed his life, he said. He said, I was fishing. And I was fishing with a friend of mine. And we were casting, and, and I was using his graphite rod that he had loaned me that day. So he says, I, I, got, I got a bite, and I was trying to, trying to reel it in, and, and I broke the rod. And, and I put too much tension on it, and didn't ease up enough, and I broke his expensive graphite rod. And I, I immediately turned to him and said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll pay you for it. And, and the guy was, oh, man, no, don't worry about it, man. It's no big deal, man. I got more. And he said, no, no, man, I mean, that's a $100 rod. I, I, you know, I want to I replace that. And he said the guy said something. He said that changed his life. And the guy was you saying, no, you don't have to pay me for that rod. Don't worry about that. He said, and the guy says, it's just a thing. He says, it's just a thing. And, and, and Rock says, I've carried that with me the rest of my life. It's just a thing. It's a $100 graphite rod. It's just a thing. And then, I, this is how God works, because I didn't even know I was going to preach this message when I, when I read, when I saw that on YouTube, but how God just plants things in your spirit. And this fits really well with what I'm saying today, because Jesus says, Don't, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? In verse 32 says, for the pagans run after all these things, quote, these things, not bad things, not bad things, necessary things. If you want to fish, graphite rod's a good thing. Nothing wrong with buying a graphite rod. There's nothing wrong with that. He says, the unbelievers run after these things. And your heavenly father knows you need these things. But seek first, verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all, here it is again, these things. And all these things. So, I don't, you don't have to be too smart of a preacher to be able to come up with a point there. <laughs> right? Be careful not to seek first these things. Be careful not to seek. It didn't say, no, don't seek these things. I've, I've got to have a place to live. I've, I've, I've got to have food. I've got to have clothes on my back. Uh, I've got to provide for my family. I've got to have a job. All of these things. not bad. I've got to have them. I don't, it's not wrong that I don't seek them. I just don't seek them first. 
I just don't put my focus there. I just don't make sure my priority is on these things. <laughs> I've been around a lot of I've been around a lot of deathbeds in 26 years of ministry. And I've been about around more beds that may not have been they might not have died right then when I was there, but they were going to die pretty soon. I've never heard a single person in that situation talk to me about these things. You get what I'm saying here? Nobody talks about the things that come under the heading of these things. Not bad things, not horrible things. They just don't talk about them then. When, when push comes to shove in their life and they're facing eternity and the, the life comes to an end, they don't talk about those important things that so many of us spend our life focusing on. They talk about spiritual things. Be careful, friends. Wouldn't it be awful? Wouldn't it be awful to get to the end of your life and realize that you have spent your life seeking these things? Well, how, how much of a bummer it would have to be? How much of a letdown it would have to be? To get to the, toward the end of your way of accomplished the things that you've accomplished, did the things you wanted to do, but they end up just being these things. Everybody's following me? I'm, I'm talking about necessary things. I'm talking about things that are uh, important. It's important to have a house. It, I'm, I'm not talking about bad things. I'm not talking about sinful things. They're important things, but... The, Scripture says your heavenly Father knows you need them. Brian Stahl's got a successful business with laser surgery and all the rest of the stuff. I know that he's in agreement with me. Wouldn't it be awful for him to get to the end of his life and realize that his life was about nothing more than laser surgery? Nothing wrong with laser surgery. Not putting laser surgery down. It's, it's, it serves a good function. It, it provides a good income. It helps people. But at the end of his life, wouldn't it be awful to realize that it was all about getting people's eyes to back, back to 2020? Greg McAfee's got a successful business. But wouldn't it be awful if Greg got to the end of the way and all it was about for him and his family was that he sold furnaces. Nothing wrong with selling furnaces. It's a needed thing. Nothing wrong with it. It's not a seek first thing. It's a necessary thing. It's an important thing. It serves a purpose. It's just not seek first kind of things. Jesus says, all these things your Heavenly Father will provide for you. I'm, I'm a few years away from retirement, so I, I get my pencil out and sharpen it, and, and um, 
figure and do math and concerning retirement income. Nothing wrong with that. I, I need that's it's responsible. I shouldn't go into retirement willy nilly. I shouldn't. Sue often reminds me. Sue's not, Sue takes care of our daily finances, but and I take care of them pretty much our investments in retirement and all that. And and Sue often, you know, I'll be telling her, well, it looks like if we do this and do that, and we'll have this much come from here and this. Sue is totally, she doesn't care anything about that. Bores her. She gives her responses the same every single time. And she's not trying to be super-duper spiritual because that's just not her. She's not trying to impress anybody about how spiritual she is, and she's not trying to live up in the clouds and so heavenly good that you're no, so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good and all that kind of stuff. But she says, I, you know, God will take care of us, Mark. And I'm sorry. So, so. <laughs> I call Mike Reed up and say, Mike. These things, good things, responsible things. These things. Philippians 4.19, Jesus says, and you know the verse, Jesus says, my God will meet all your needs. I don't think I, don't think I changed that verse. I don't think I I'm, I'm mess with it to try to fit my message by saying, and my God will supply you with all these things according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, a few verses right above that verse. Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. And us Christians, you know, we aren't, we aren't anxious. We're just kind of concerned, you know what I mean? Um, in a sanctified way, of course. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. That's verse 6. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, will tra which transcends all understanding, which means don't try to figure that out. Don't ask me to preach on the peace of God because it transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the very next verse says, Finally, brothers, here's what you focus on. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you focus on these things. And verse 9 finishes with, whatever you've heard from me, that Paul says, whatever I've taught you, and Paul's taught God's word, whatever you've heard from me, learned from me, received from me, you, whatever you've seen me do, you put it into practice in your life. And, and, and God, basically it says, and God will take care of you. The peace of God will be with you. Huh. We're not talking about to, to be irresponsible because 1 Timothy 5.8 clearly says that if, if you don't provide for your home and your family, man, you're worse than an unbeliever. It kind of says even unbelievers do this. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We're not talking about these things have importance. It's just not the focus of your life. Fix a hole in the boat, man. Some of you may 
need to put up a sign in your, the house that no, none of your visitors will ever, uh, guests will ever know what it says except for you and just says, fix the hole in the bowl. Keep the main thing the main thing. You don't know the name John Wanamaker, but back in the late 1800s, he was a very successful businessman. In fact, we wouldn't have J.C. Penney, Sears, and Roebuck, Montgomery Ward, all that kind of stuff without him opening up one of the first department stores um, ever. He opened it up in Philadelphia, but it was one of the first in uh, the United States. Very, very successful. About a decade later, he opened up uh, a savings bank, and he was the president and founder of a savings bank. The same year he opened that, President Benjamin Harrison made him postmaster general of the United States. So here's this guy who owned a chain of department stores. He just opened a a bank he's president of, and now Benjamin Harrison made him postmaster general. Oh, and by the way, he was Sunday school superintendent at Bethany Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And someone asked him one day, how in the world can you juggle all this stuff? How in the world can you, I mean, you're, you're a postmaster general of the United States. You, you're president and founder of a bank. You've got a chain of department stores. How can you juggle all this? You know, they obviously weren't talking about Sunday school superintendent. He said, he said what do you, how do you do all this stuff? And he says, well, a long time ago, I learned the verse, Matthew 6, 33. And he says, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to me. He says, he said, and it's kind of hard to believe, to be honest with you. You know, you know how stories get exaggerated? Because we all know that. But I've, I've read this and heard this story told by a lot of preachers. It's, it's written in books. And he said, you know, the Sunday school superintendency is my business. He said, all the rest are these things. You know, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. It's interesting when I used a little bit of the seminary knowledge that my wife paid for as she put me in through seminary as she was a school teacher. She, uh, I looked up this word seek. And uh, in the original language, which is obviously Greek, uh, the word literally means, the tense of the verb literally means keep on seeking. It's not a one-time thing. Go seek this and you got it all made. You got it made. Go, go, go seek this, one and done. If you seek it and you get it, ah, you got it. You, you, you can sit back and relax. No, the, the, the verb, literally, the, the, the best translation of it would be keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. So what that means is, when he said this, he didn't say it to unbelievers. When he said this, he didn't, he didn't, didn't say it to uh, people that were pagans. He, he, he said it to people that we're already seeking. Because how can he say keep on seeking unless people had already started seeking? And I just wonder how many of you listening or catching it on the live stream need to hear that. Keep on seeking. This life gets tough and there's nothing in this life that will encourage you to keep on seeking and there's a whole lot in this life that will discourage you from keep on seeking. But Jesus comes along in Matthew 6, to a bunch of people who are already seeking. He says, keep on seeking. 
keep on seeking. A little bit of determination is a good characteristic for the Christian. Keep on seeking. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what is... What, is, what baggage is, is holding you down? I don't know what's discouraging you. I don't know what's weighing you down. I don't. I mean, you tell me about some of the things, but most of the stuff you don't tell me about, and, and pretty much, you know, can I be honest with this? Thank goodness you don't tell me about everything going on in your life because I'd be nuts if you did. But, but I just wonder if there's some people in here that just need to keep on seeking. I woke up this morning with this a song in my mind, in my head, and I and this is how God works. You know, God supplies for the people that He calls to ministry. God supplies for them. And I I had I woke up just thinking about this old Southern gospel song that I probably haven't heard for decades. It's by a Southern gospel group called Gold City, and I don't even think they're around anymore. And the, the words, the verse of this song says, I've been walking through the valley, through this veil of tears. At times I've even questioned even if my Lord was near. Many times that old tempter, he said, why not turn around? You can't get any farther. You're just losing ground. The verse comes in and says, well, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. For by the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown one day. I'll keep holding on to that nail-scarred hand. Oh, no, I'm not giving up. I'll keep holding on. Google, I'm not giving up. Gold, gold city and it'll bless some of you that may need a blessing I don't know what you're going on what you, what's going through your life and through your heads Jesus came to tell you keep on seeking don't give up by the grace of God you'll win a shining crown one day. Apostle Paul came along at the end of his life, and I'm not sure how close to the end of this life, but it's, it's the context of the verse. It says it's definitely close to the end of his life. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith. I kept on seeking. I hung in there. I kept on seeking. I finished the race. And the next verse, which we don't have up there now, there's a crown that's laid up for him. <laughs> I, just, I don't know who needs that. <laughs> I just, it's right in the verse, and I had to say it. How is it that we keep the main thing the main thing? That's what I've been trying to tell you. Keep your focus on the right thing, the priority on the right thing. I've been, that's the overarching thing I'm trying to tell you today. What, that Jesus, or, I mean, it's not Mark, Jesus came to tell you. I mean, seek first. And how do you do that? Well, you, you, keep the, you keep the main thing the main thing by, by not being careful not to focus on these things. <laughs> but be careful what gets your attention because what gets your attention gets you. And, and, 
and you keep the main thing the main thing by keep on. It ain't a one and done thing. Well, let me finish with this. The the amazing serendipity of all of this is after we have been seeking God, and there's so many passages of scriptures that I could quote and quote and quote about our responsibility to seek God. When we seek Him, we find that He's been seeking us all along. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. What a marvelous promise. Seek, and you will find. And one of the things you will find out is that God has been seeking you all along. Keep on seeking. I, I've told you this story before, but I think it fits here, and the, everybody hasn't heard it. Two weeks before Dad died, we had to move him into a, into a nursing home, and it was harder for me to move him into a nursing home than it was to bury him. And, and so we moved him into the nursing home and got his room all set up, and, and, and Mom was on one side. This was 17 years ago. Mom was on one side. I was on the other. My brother was right here, and Dad... Uh, Dad goes, and that meant in our family that he wanted to pray. And so mom took his hand on this side, and me and Dan grabbed his hand over here on this side. And dad, two weeks before his death, dad said, Lord, help me get used to this new way of living. Now, a few days after that, he just totally lost it in his brain and that was one of the last lucid things he said. I like to think my dad was still seeking. <laughs> Lord, help me get used to this new way of living. Lord, help me not to be a, a bad witness for you in this nursing home. I don't know what was all in dad's mind. Now, two or three days later, he, he was off the wall and it was one of the last, I imagine, one of the last spiritual things that Dad ever said. He kept on seeking. And my dad found out as a Christian that when you seek, you will find. And when you seek, you'll find out that he's been seeking you all along. And that's one of the reasons we serve communion every single week. Because here's where seeking starts. Here's where seeking starts. You can't seek first the kingdom of God without first coming to grips with the one that, Je that, one that God has sent, his son Jesus. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. And you try to clean up your life first and start seeking the wrong things, try seeking the right things before you get that thing in order, you've got your priorities wrong. Your focus is wrong. Here's, here's where it starts. And once it starts here, the promise is then all these things. All these things will be added to you as well. So as you come to the table this morning, um, whether you are, um, are gri grap uh, grasping this for the very first time in your life or whether you've grasped it for decades, whether it's a first time seeking or whether you're keeping on seeking, come to the table knowing this is the focus. This is a priority. Everything flows out of your acceptance 
of God's forgiveness for you by Jesus' death on the cross. That's where it starts. <laughs> That's where it starts. Don't miss the starting place. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, I have not said anything new today. I've just reminded people of some things they've already known. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will give us the grace to keep on seeking. We thank you that we're even seeking to begin with. That's an act of your grace that you woke us up one day and showed us our need to seek you. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to keep the main thing the main thing, keep our priorities and our focus right, and not get bogged down with these things. In Jesus' name, amen.